You're listening to Trucking Questions from the Audio Road with Kevin Rutherford. This is the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. You can ask questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, tax, technology, or anything else about the business of trucking. Here we go. Let's head on down the audio road. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. Today is the power hour. I've got Bruce and John and Ethan with me from Pittsburgh Power. And this is the show where we take your questions, answer your calls, and try to find you answers about everything, engines, maintenance, performance, modifications, upgrades, fuel mileage, troubleshooting, you name it. We'll talk about it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and ask the question. And we're going to get to those questions in just a little bit. I'm going to bring in the guys from Pittsburgh Power. Hey, guys, welcome back. Kevin, thank you for having us. It's a pleasure as always. Great to have you here. The questions are piling up already. Anything you guys want to start with this week? Oh, I just want to say because of the holidays, the shop is a little bit closed. So if anybody needs any work done, uh, you can get in basically right now without an appointment. And we now, because of the addition of some new mechanics uh, two years ago, we kind of are a bumper-to-bumper truck facility. We do brakes, transmissions, clutches. We have a truck in right now that we're putting two differentials in. So... Just about anything that somebody wants to do, we can handle. Excellent. Anything else? Should we get to some calls? Yeah, not a whole lot in the last week. Hey, um, I I did see that uh, closer to you guys, uh, just uh, northwest of Columbus, Auto is going to make another autonomous run next week. They're going to do this one in rush hour traffic. Oh wow! Yeah, I missed that. Yeah, they're uh, they're pretty serious about this. You know, the the one they did in Colorado, they did really early in the morning, and and the point was to avoid the traffic on the first one. But already, they're going out and putting it right into heavy traffic to see how it does. Short run, it's going to be about thirty five miles. Uh, just like I say, little northwest of Columbus, so should be interesting. This is happening really fast. I was watching, uh, I forget, I think it was CNBC the other morning uh, on the weekend, and there was a uh, they'd covered a, an event in California at uh, Willow Springs, which is a racetrack similar to the ones that I sometimes work at. It's a road course, and they had autonomous races. So there are uh, geeks out in California and coders and guys who are into this sort of thing had built autonomous cars and they put them on the track together and had them race around the track with no drivers. And it was very successful. It worked well. You know, I, I got thinking about something there. There's this argument that a lot of people believe that, you know, these autonomous trucks are going to have a driver in them as a backup. And I, I, I don't think so. And I've, I've talked to some analysts who don't think so. And, you know, I talked about why it doesn't even compare to the airline model. There's too many lives at risk in an airplane. But then I got thinking, there's another model of airplanes that we're using heavily right now, 
And I'm wondering if that model may end up working in trucking, and that's a remote-controlled drone. I mean, we're flying oh, yeah. drones all yep. over the place. Um, military drones, the you know, pretty high-tech stuff. And I could imagine somebody sitting in a room that could probably monitor, I don't know what the number is, 10, 15, 20 trucks at a time. That that's Easily. a, a I'm sure that wouldn't be better hard at all. Back. Yeah, that's a much better backup than one person in one truck who isn't going to sit there and pay attention the whole time. I mean, what would be the point? If you have to sit there and pay attention the whole time, you might as well drive the damn truck. So I I don't think this model that we think of, you know, somebody sitting back in the bunk or whatever. I mean, that's kind of the way Otto's doing it right now because they have to. But I I think if anything, it could just be that we remotely monitor these trucks as a backup. It's going to be interesting one way or the other. That's for sure. But yeah. you, I had I had a guy in the shop the other day that told me that some of these truck companies, this was news to me, but they'll run three. Generally, there'll be three three you know immigrants of some sort in the truck that uh, run twenty four seven and like hardly even stop for bathroom breaks. I, I didn't realize that that was going on out there. So, you know, rather than three guys you know that are. Uh, sleeping in the truck, living in the truck nonstop. I, I trust the computer more than I trust those three guys, to be honest with you. Well, yeah. And let's just think about it, even at the lowest cost. I mean, I, 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 and, I and I've heard this, you know, there's a lot of talk about this happening in Chicago with the Eastern Europeans. And, and I, I know it's happening, but it's one of those things that the story keeps getting retold more and more, and then people start believing that it happens more than it does. I know it happens, but I it's not all the language. <laughs> I couldn't use the language that our customer used to describe it. Let's put it that way. I was, right. I was struggling for a nicer way to put it. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. And, and I'm That's... sure it's exaggerated like most things are, but still, it's, it's still scary to me. Well, it is. But even if we think about that, let, let's think about the lowest pay. I mean, I, I have to believe those guys putting on that many miles are making $30,000 a piece, like minimum. I, maybe it's a little lower, but I kind of doubt it. But if, if they are, that's 90 grand a year. Technology can do that a whole lot cheaper. It, and that's oh, 90 yeah. grand plus it's workers comp, plus it's risk and liability. And, and if you're a big enough company, there's got to be health insurance involved. And so again, you can do that and that keeps the truck running 24 seven, but technology could run the truck 24 seven and it could happen a whole lot cheaper. Yeah. Even after the right. investment, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, Let's get to some phone calls. Let's go to California. Michael, welcome to the program. Thank you. Um, I had a question about the uh, reprogramming the Cummins uh, ISX by Pittsburgh Power and also a general comment about the, the fidelity of your program. Ethan? Hello? Okay. Yes. Ethan, do you want to answer this? Uh, which which ISX? Uh, it's a 2012 ISX 15, and my question goes to: If I were to get the programming, uh, I'd like for you to 
retell the benefits of the programming that you have for it. But my question is, if I were to do the programming and then I got an error code and I had to go to a different shop for, uh, for service or to respond to the error code, will your programming throw any anomalies into the error code system that uh, somebody else might not be able to figure out what's going on with the truck if it's a DPF error or something like that? No. We we purposely don't interfere with the codes, like turn them off, you know, so that it doesn't cause problems for other shops. Because that's a big problem we've seen here even before, where someone goes in and they just turn the fault codes off, we'll say, and that the light's off, the problem's solved, but the truck's not really fixed. So, no, we, we want to be able to diagnose the truck just as, you know, the OEMs would there, so anybody can follow their process and still solve it correctly. Okay, so nothing you do then would create false codes or something that other people can't uh, figure out what's going on. That's good to know. And then what, again, are the benefits uh, that you've seen on, on that engine? Uh, fuel mileage and horsepower gain. So you're going to be able to pull the hills better. The truck's going to run, you know, more free. And, you know, typically we see a, an improvement in fuel mileage. Based upon how you drive the truck, obviously, but is there a range or you think the half mile per gallon or quarter mile per gallon? It varies. It varies. Depends on what you do. I mean, if you're heavy haul, you're you're not going to see near as much gain on the fuel mileage as you would if you're, you know, lightweight. Right. Okay. Some sometimes we find on the heavy haul guys, especially the ones that are down to four mile per gallon. They gain a three mile per gallon because now the truck can finally cool and they don't have to have their foot buried to the floor. So a lot of times, it's uh, and back in the days of the power box, that's when we saw the best advantage was was a guy, one particular guy out of Boise, Idaho. He was in the high threes and low fours with a C16 cat on, I think it was 11 axles. He went up a full mile to the gallon, so... Well, mine's not a heavy haul application. It's uh, a straight 53-foot uh, van from Southern California to Minneapolis or Milwaukee every week, and I uh, probably gross is about usually about 70,000. So, and I get yeah. uh, right at seven miles per gallon, and I run 65. So, well, I I don't see any reason why you wouldn't get uh, seven and a half and possibly eight. Do you run? Do you drive on the rolling hills with your foot, or do you let the cruise control do it? All right, the music's playing. We're going to have to get to a break. We'll come right back and get to more stuff right after this. Stick around. This is the Power Hour. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Yeah. 
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is the Power Hour. I've got Bruce and Ethan and John with me from Pittsburgh Power. You know, Bruce, the other thing we see here um, with all of your tuning on, on any engine is we see much lower soot numbers on the oil samples. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty awesome. It is. And, and that's, get, you know, the why do we get that? Okay. Yeah, I was going to say it's one of the big problems we've been facing on the new engines is just a lot of soot and it's hard on the engine. But we're noticing here that most of the engines with your tunes on them come in under one on soot pretty consistently. And that's fantastic. When we get uh, John's soot trap on there, we may bring that down to zero. Yeah, you know, the, the my one of the t- two engines that I've always really liked as far as so the 6NZ in the um, late 90s, uh, Series 60s, we normally look for less than 0.1. That, that's how they show it on the oil sample. It comes in as less than 0.1, which is virtually no soot at all. And that's pretty common on those two when they're running right, but very seldom... Uh, an N14 will do that as well if it's running right. But the newer engines, we never saw that. And now we're starting to get closer to those numbers. We're under one on a lot of your engines that when you've tuned them. And like you said, I think between the tuning and the soot trap, we could get that soot level down to the same as the really good pre-emission engines. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yep. Hey, Kevin, what kind of numbers do you see from stock engines with working? I don't know if you have all the info in front of you with the, the analysis that you look at, but uh, from stock engines with oper- operating EGR systems that should have them anyway. You know, what numbers we, we you normally t- see in the soot? In the one to two range. And if it's in the one to two and it's just a stock emission engine, that we just figure that's kind of normal. You know, I, I don't try to get it down because other than something like your tuning, we've tried everything else and, and nothing brings that number down under one. And many of them will climb up in the, the two to three range. And that's when we'll start to work on it. You know, maybe the overhead needs set. Maybe, you know, we've got some intake restrictions somewhere, or a charger cooler leak. But if it's if it's in the one to two range, we figure that's kind of normal for an emission engine. But once you guys tune them, we're seeing them drop down under that that one level, which is really nice to see. Sounds good. Yeah, just I need to gather some data here before we start testing. Yeah, good stuff. Let's uh, let's get to another call. Let's go to Texas. Eric, welcome to the program. <laughs> So, uh, with a Cummins ISX, 286,000 miles on it. Um, October, I installed the OPS, uh, my first oil. And then, uh, just this past weekend. Hey, Eric, you're, you're breaking up, but I'm, I'm missing key words here. So we're going to put you back on hold. I'm going to see if we can salvage that line and we're going to try to come back to you. Let's go to Kansas. Dan, welcome to the program. Hello, gentlemen. Um, I am a hobby trucker. I am taking the winter off. I'm rebuilding a Series 60. Um, I'm doing the work myself in my garage at the house, so it's an out-of-frame. 
and I am having the machine work done. Uh, I live in Denver, so I'm having the machine work done on the block at a local industrial machine shop here. So my question is, um, having the block, uh, the uh, deck resurfaced, having the uh, crank straightened if it needs it, turned, um, turned down if it needs it, and having the block uh, straighten the, the crankshaft journals, uh, line, line hone or line board. Um, are there any disadvantages to all those functions? Um, and is there anything else that I should consider doing? Now, when you resurface the block, you need to know how many thousands they're taking off. And then you'll want to check your uh -huh. piston to deck height. And you may want to put our 10,000 sticker head gasket in there to bring the head back up to where it's supposed to be so you have the proper clearance in your cam gear and your crank gear and accessory drive gears and bull gear. Right, yeah, I've actually talked to John about that before, so that's definitely uh, something okay. I'm aware of, yeah. Are you putting our manifold I mean, and turbo and ECM programming on it? Uh, I already have it. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Are you going to balance the pistons and the rods? Uh, yeah. Okay. That's critical today. John, did you want to add something? No, I've got to, uh, that reminds me, I need to order another batch. We sold out of the first batch of the uh, 10 thou thicker gaskets, so I've got to get another, another batch of those coming oh. in. Did you make a note? I will do that. I just I just wrote myself a text on my phone for that. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll do that. Um, what, what's the price on those head gaskets? I don't recall. I think it was three and a quarter somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah, it was pretty reasonable for what it does, but yep. I, I think three and a quarter. And um, if you were to order some today, how long do you think before you'd have them on the shelf there? I'll have them within the week. Oh, great. Okay. Um, as far as uh, turning the crankshaft to go with, uh, I don't know, like maybe a 10-over bearing on the rods and mains, there's no disadvantages to that? It doesn't weaken the crankshaft or anything? Well, there's a lot of disadvantages to that. You don't want to do that. You want to polish, magnaflux, and straighten. You don't want to really cut that crank. Okay. If it needs cut, give us a okay. call. Let's talk about options, okay? Okay, yeah. I'll uh, give you guys a call later this week and uh, have some more questions for you then. All right. Congratulations. It sounds like a nice winner. All right. Yeah, it does. Let's move on to Nevada. Scott, welcome to the program. Hi, guys. Uh, well, for starters, I got your Pittsburgh Power 10 last month or September and, and a Snyder glider and it's a whole new truck. It's wow. It's it's amazing. But is that now, on, a, on a sixty series? Yeah, it's a twelve seven. Uh-huh. Good. And now I've got when I if I sit and idle for like two or three minutes and then I start going, it smokes really bad and it's actually backfired a few times on me. Going down the road, I never have an issue. It's just if I stop at, you know, like a long red light, and really, really bad. 
Has the valves and injectors been adjusted lately? No, I haven't. I just bought it two months ago, so I haven't. Do you think it could be something as simple as just the overhead? Yes, that's that's where you need to start. Okay. That's always, you know, uh, one thing you do when you have a power loss is you change the fuel filter when you're having a smoke issue, you set the overhead. Okay. Set the overhead, give us a call. If that doesn't clear it up, try to get back into the shop and let's take a look at it and let's make it do it on the dyno. Have you had this truck in cold weather yet? Is this at all a function of it being cold? No, well, I, I do nothing but cold weather. It's it's Indiana to the northwest, so um, it's always cold. But no, it, it, the cold really seemed to affect it very much. I mean, when it's when I first started in the morning and it's cold, it it smokes a little more than it should. Sometimes it's not real consistent there. Okay, I'm just. I wonder if I'm concerned a, it's got it's the a, uh, 15 to ones in it. Yeah. Yeah, if it's a BK or a PK. PK. Yeah, if they build a PK or an MK. And yep. then I wonder if I, it could have a cut O-ring on the bottom injector. Well, that could that should too, affect yeah. it more under pressure and not so much under idle, but it right. can be an O-ring on an injector problem. It's it's clear when you're pulling because you have boost, but at an idle when there's no boost and not enough heat, it only takes eight horsepower to idle a 14 liter engine. So you're a 12.7. So let's say it takes seven horsepower to idle that engine. It's not enough to burn all the fuel. And if there's a cut O-ring on the bottom, allowing fuel to run right down past the injector tip. But the okay. first thing to do is set the overhead. Okay. Okay, well, I'm going to put it in my, my usual shop tomorrow, and we'll see if they can figure anything out. All right. Keep us informed, okay? I will. I right, thank you, guys. You're welcome. All right. Thanks for the call. There's the music. We're going to head into a break. We're going to come back and get some more of your calls and questions right after this. So don't go away. More stuff right around the corner. If you want to join us on these recordings our podcast any of the special shows that we do it's really easy to get on our text message list just send a text text the word listen to 99000 99000 just one word in the body of the text listen and then every time we're doing a recording a podcast a special show we'll send you a text message about 15 minutes early with the number you can just dial in and join us. We'll be right back. Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is the Power Hour. I've got Bruce and John and Ethan from Pittsburgh Power with me, and we're going to get back to the phone calls. We're going to head off to Nevada. Gary, welcome to the program. 
Hi guys. Say, uh, I got a buddy that's got a it's a T six eighty, I think is what it is, Kenworth. It's a twenty fourteen with a pack car engine. He keeps running into a lot of different issues and stuff. And uh the last one was is this uh D E F was crystallizing. Is there a heater in that tank and and can you guys do a full service uh for cleaning out his whole D E F system and reprogramming that engine? We can we can service that after treatment system that uh, that actually shares an after treatment system with Cummins, so that's something we're very familiar with. And I would love to get one in here. We've not had one here to work on yet, but uh, that that is a shared system. Uh, we're working on programming for that. We we haven't got it yet, but we're we're working on that at the moment. But all of the same work that we do on Cummins, we're we're authorized to do now on Packar, so we can do his uh, any after treatment, EGR maintenance. We can, you know, do overheads and any any service on the engine at all. So uh, you could encourage them to get it in here as soon as possible. Okay. Uh, what is there a heater system or something that in in the DEF tank at all? No, the, no, there is not. No heating at all. No. Okay. All right. So that because he cause he was out he 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 some dollars. They figured they'd fix something and then he'd drive away and he'd make it about a mile and a half away and he'd turn around and come back and bring it right back to the shop. And after the third time in, I don't know, 12 hours, he was finally able to go down the road. So, and it, he, they replaced the pump for the DEF. They replaced, uh, I can't remember everything. He named a whole bunch of stuff and he's not mechanical. So what he actually said may not have been what it was. Well, tell them the best thing to do is to get it to our shop. All right. Do you know how long before you guys will have the programming figured out for that pack car? Well, I, hey, John, if we uh, call the engineer, don't you think we could get it within the day? Uh, let's, it looks like we lost uh, Ethan and John for some reason, Bruce. I just looked up and they're gone oh. off the board. Gone off the board. Okay, that's because I'm on my cell phone. Hey, um, yeah, I think uh, with our contact at Packar, we could have it within a day. So if we knew he was coming in, we would accelerate that. So if he'd call and say, "Hey, I'll be there next Wednesday," we would make make it a point to have that program. Got it. Well, we also lost Gary, the caller, as well. I'm not sure what uh, what happened. Both of them just disappeared off the board. So. We'll, uh, Maybe it's we'll, just you and I. Yeah, uh, it might be. We're on our own here, but I think we can handle it. <laughs> we have for quite quite some time. That's right. Hey, I, we'll. I, uh, I, I do. Go ahead. Hey, Kevin. The people with the 2014, 15, and 16 ISXs, they really need to think about this uh, full tilt intake manifold. I mean, it's an easy half mile of a gallon. Uh, parts and labor would be about $1,700, and it eliminates the scoring of one and five and six cylinders because the way it distributes the air. We're going to have a movie of it, how it flows the air on our website pretty soon. Oh, good. When you get that done, send it over to me, and, and we'll post it on ours as well. I uh, will do that. In fact, I'll work on that this afternoon. Yeah, sounds like a plan. Let's go to South Carolina. Al, welcome to the program. Thanks, Kevin. Hello, Bruce. This is Al from Fort Myers, Florida. 
I'm the one that you did Hello, the first. Uh, <laughs> I'm the one you did the first um, DD15 tune on. Okay. And, uh, yeah. I just wanted to call and and do an update. I haven't talked with you in a while. Yeah, it has been a while. Yeah. Um, just want to let you know that I am up about a half a gallon on my fuel economy, and I'm running 70 Good. as a rule now, as opposed to 65. So it'd be better if I behave myself, but yeah. Um, like I told at, you when I was up at there, our, at our age, we're supposed oh. to be able to do that. <laughs> well, I know, I know. <laughs> but uh, like I told you before, since I've had the tune, the uh, the first twenty thousand pounds in the box is pretty much free. I mean, you don't even notice it's there hardly. That's it's just that's uh, amazing. fantastic. The, the difference is made, yeah. Yeah, the problem is where you live. Everybody on that I-75 want to go 80-plus mile per hour. And now here you are trying to go 65, and it makes you feel like you're walking. Yeah, well, you're in everybody's way. You know, that's the problem. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. So, hey, I think anyway, I just I got, nothing but, <laughs> I got nothing but good things to, to say. Um, it's, tur it's turned out great. Uh, you guys hit it the first time. Well, fantastic. And have, have did we do the engine flush on that engine yet to clean it out? No, no, that we have not done. Okay. So next time you need an oil change, you should come up and let's bring your oil, unless it's a type that we carry or can get, and let's do the engine flush to clean out everything that's been deposited in that engine. And then All talk right. to John about getting one of those uh, soot traps on there so that we can really keep it clean. Okay, sure. Um, I did have you put the uh, OPS and go to uh, synthetic oil when I was there at the same time. Good. That's good. All right. Well, keep us keep us informed, okay? Anything changes? I will do. John and John and Ethan need to know that. All right. Very well. Thank you. Thanks, Al. Bye. All right. Thanks for the call. Hey, we got uh, we got John and Ethan back. What back? happened to you guys? Anyway, yeah, yeah, you're back. We just it, <laughs> we disappeared. It just went dead silent on on our end. We didn't hear a thing. Just went went quiet. The the strange thing was we lost the caller we were with at the same time. Both of you guys dropped off. But hey, John and Ethan, Kevin and I was able to handle it. Uh, we did. Like we, we heard the tail end of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We called back in. <laughs> We did Good okay. Work. Let's uh, let's see. Let's head off to uh, Missouri. John, welcome to the program. Hello, Kevin. Uh, I've got a Eaton Fuller 10 speed. It's in a 2001 classic, but as I know the transmission was replaced about a year and a half, two years ago before I bought the trans before I bought the truck, and I'm having trouble with the high-low range shifting. In the morning, when I start the truck, the module that sits on top of the transmission leaks air in the back two ports down into the transmission. And it will do it until it warms up, and it, it'll shift into high, but then it won't return back down to low until after you've drove a little while and it's warmed up. Now, I took the module off, and tested it by putting a bolt 
and gaskets and washer to shut them back to ports off, and the module tested fine. And so I went ahead and put it back on, and the uh, it shifts wonderful once it warms up, but until it warms up, it will not shift back down into low low range. Is that uh, the piston or the O-ring problem, or am I looking at a fluid uh, uh, problem? Well, the first thing I would do, how many miles are on the transmission fluid? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. Like I say, I bought the truck, and the transmission has been recently replaced, so I'm guessing 150000 I uh, have already got, uh, my wife, as a matter of fact, picking it up today, a uh, five-gallon of 50-weight uh, synthetic to uh, swap it out just to make sure. I would swap that first. Second, what, what part of the country do you live? Arkansas. If you get up our way, we have a really great transmission guy, and I think we can solve that problem for you. But... Uh, for, yeah. for one of is, us to say what that problem is, that's going to... Go ahead. Is uh, the uh, getting to that piston and everything, can a person get to that without dropping the transmission if you have all the exhaust out of the way to where you can go over the top of the rail as a frame rail I, to lift the cap off? I think you can. What kind of truck is it? Oh, it's a classic and I've got a weed burner exhaust, so the exhaust don't run on top of that frame rail right there. And that's yeah. how I've been working on that module is just over the top of the frame rail. It's uh, like a piece of cake there compared to what it would have been with all that exhaust in the way. Why don't you take that module to a good transmission shop and have them look at it or swap it out and see if that fixes it. All right, with that, we're going to have to get to a break. We'll come back and talk about that more. Stick around. We'll be right back with more stuff. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is the Power Hour. I've got Bruce and John and Ethan with me from Pittsburgh Power. And uh, John, the last caller there, when you uh, change that transmission fluid, which I think is a good idea, it'd be a great time to sample that as well. And if there is some sort of an internal problem, we may pick that up in the sample. Let's go to Texas. Bob, welcome to the program. Hello, gentlemen. I have a 20, 2012, uh, 2013 ISX-15. About six months ago, I went to PDI in Texas, and I had a half of regen delete, which means they took the filter out and reflashed my ECM. And I'm getting ready to do the other half, which is the turbo and the manifold and the reflashing. 
and I'm just looking for your opinion. Uh, I can't Ethan, recommend I, that on the newer trucks. Those, those systems okay. work quite well on the new trucks, and we work with them quite well. And, uh, yeah, I really don't approve of taking it off, personally. Yeah, we, we can keep okay. them running, you know, just as well with yeah. them on. You know, the old trucks, you know, the old stuff with the, the you know, the era of uh, emissions that were, were, were known to be faulty, and these trucks have millions of miles on them now, and they're in the hands of owner-operators only and whatever. I, I don't mind that so much. But these uh, these modern ones are quite good. You really really should uh, work with it. You've got advantages with that VG turbo that you won't have if you take it off, and there there are a lot of things that you're, you'll actually be missing out on. Yeah, you're going to lose Jake if you take that turbo off. Yep. All right. Well, I've just I've run into so many problems with it prior to this that I, I was just in the shops and the shops could never fix it. They just it couldn't fix it. I had eight thousand dollars in less than a month on repairs and I just couldn't go through with it anymore. So I did a half. All right. Well, I was just wondering. I'm I'm just going to do the other half now and have them. All right. Uh, thank you for your opinion, guys. You're welcome. You're welcome. Hey, thank you. Call. Hey, Kevin. Yeah, go ahead. If he would have brought a tire shop, if he would have brought a tire shop, he wouldn't have spent that eight thousand dollars, and he wouldn't be having the problems that he's having. But some people just, if uh, if it's a couple hundred miles or a thousand miles out of the way, they just won't bobtail or deadhead or try to find the load that way, and it, they hurt themselves by uh, procrastinating like that. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I've been, you know, it, the one thing I've been trying to get across to people is is this is an ongoing effort. We're, we're learning. There's a curve to it. And I've been trying to get it across to people that there was a time when we were just saying, get the junk off there and get them running right again. But I, I've been saying all along, we will get these engines right eventually. And we're getting closer and closer all the time. And, and like John was just saying, on the newer versions, Leave that stuff in place, and you guys are figuring out how to keep things clean, how to tune it right, how to get them running right, and that's a far better way to go. I mean, the very if they first just IFX. It. Okay. Oh, I mean, the very if they first just maintain ISX, the. I'll go ahead, Bruce. <laughs> very ahead. first ISX that we did was mid January. It's coming up on a year anniversary, and we we stay in touch with the young man because he's close by is only an iron 15 minutes away if and he's had zero problems and he loves the way the kenworth runs so i mean it's a win-win situation keeps you legal keeps you clean keeps the truck running great 400 extra foot pounds of torque 150 more horsepower fuel mileage increase and and nobody can bother you wherever you go, whether you're in Maryland, Jersey, California, or going into Cummins, or Peterbilt, or Kenworth. You're legal everywhere. So keep it legal and make it run great and keep it clean. Absolutely. Hey, before we get to another call, um, John, I have got a really strange request for you. Okay. Um, I, I think if you I, if you have time, I know you'll find time. Um, I, I've been reading a lot. I get into these weird uh, reading binges on stuff, and this is a little out there. But I've been reading a lot about EMP, electromagnetic pulse, and what happens to 
electronics, on virtually everything now, including vehicles. Um, I'd love to know what it would take to protect a vehicle's electronics from that, if it's even possible. Uh, Ethan's across the desk from me laughing right now. I think he might have studied this a little bit. From what I right? know, and it, it's just from what I've a little <laughs> bit of reading, if the truck is on, you're in trouble. Because on electronics and EMP, it'll, it'll fry the ECM. If the computer's off, it, the odds are it will survive the EMP. Really? Huh. The, yeah. I, I, I mean, there's a chance what it'll I've still fry, now. but... Most of what I've read now is, is it, and there's still some argument about this because there isn't a lot of testing done on it, but almost everything I've read now is the electronics are going to fry no matter what, and the vehicles are going to be useless. It, it also depends on the proximity to the, you know, the EMP right. that would go off. If you're yeah. right next to it, yes. If it, if it was on, it's definitely done. Well, the, the, the EMP that uh, there's two real strong possibilities. One is just a solar flare that could happen naturally. And, and we might have some warning that that one was coming. The other one, though, is, is a terrorist type attack where it, it's, you know, exploded in the upper atmosphere and creates an EMP. And those are the two that they say are so widespread and so powerful that it would virtually make all vehicles with any kind of electronics useless. And ironically, the United States actually did get hit by an EMP, but back in the day of the telegraph, right when the exactly. telegraph was starting to take off, it got hit and fried a whole bunch of telegraph wires. Huh. 1889. I just up an article on my phone right now. Yep, yeah, that was 18... it. I can't remember the year. <laughs> <laughs> Who did it? What's that? Who did it? It was a solar flare. It was a solar that flare. was a solar yeah, flare. Just perfect. Wow, yeah, okay. that was a, that was a solar flare. So just uh, I know that's a little out there, but uh, something I've been studying and oh, uh, I'll, think, I'll be oh, I'll be all over this. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, I thought let me. Yeah, there's, cool. there's actually a good book, um, two good books. One is a novel that I absolutely loved. It's called One Second After, and it tells a story of of a terrorist attack with um, setting off EMPs and shuts down the whole country. And the other one is actually more of a documentary. It's written by Ted Koppel. And it's more okay. along the line, um, not so much an EMP, but if terrorists were able to attack the power grid from inside, because it's all connected to the internet now. But both of them kind of go through the same scenario of what happens to the power grid, what happens to vehicles. And it's... Uh, the, the thing is, the, the U.S. as a country is kind of ignoring this. They've been getting warnings forever and ever that we're vulnerable for, from this, and they're doing nothing. They have no plan. Wow. Yeah, I'll, I'll do some more research on that. Uh, I'm, I'm not much of a studier of uh, conspiracies and things, so, so that's, uh, it may, maybe this one fell off my radar, whether, whether it is one or not. I just I tend to not, uh, not pay attention to much of that stuff, but uh, I will definitely read up on EMP. Yeah, take take a look. Um, just uh, the the vehicle thing was what um, really got me interested because there may be something individuals can do there. You know, as far as the power grid goes, if one of these things happens, there's nothing we're going to do to stop that. 
uh, other than no, being prepared. No, no, no. But on the vehicles, I was just wondering, I think there is, there are ways to shield electronics. I just don't know if it's practical on a vehicle to do it or not. Obviously, you know, with a with a magnet, anything magnetic, you could do with an opposite pole. I mean, you'd have to have to give off a magnetism that that would repel the the magnetism from the EP EMP somehow. But uh, ah. you know, if there was some sort of protect protection system, you think it would require an equal and opposite uh, field, shall we say? Uh, well, I will look field around your truck to keep this from happening. Think about that. Yeah, I, I will look forward to your report. All right, I'll look into this. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like I said, it's a little out there, but the you know I get on these binges and I read stuff like this, and and the more I read, the more I see there are several possibilities that could put a significant portion of the power grid down. We did have it happen. Oh, 2012. Um, there was one that could have been disastrous. But the timing was such that it kind of like a glancing blow. It was a solar flare, again, off the sun. They happen. Um, and this one was fairly strong, but based on the position of the Earth, it was more like a glancing blow. But ha they said had it hit directly, we would have had major power outages. And the, the problem is if they fry some of these transformers, we can't replace them. We have no way to replace some of our major transformers in the system. Kind of scary. Yeah, I guess that the old PCBs, yeah, they're gone now. Yeah. I don't think you can build transformers anymore. Can you like that? No. Well, I know there's a little out there, but it. it uh, I figured you guys were the ones to talk to with all the knowledge of vehicle electronics. So um, we'll look forward to hearing what the report might be on that. Uh, I want to thank the guys from Pittsburgh Power, Bruce, John, and Ethan. If you have any questions, give them a call because we're all out of time. We'll see you here next time. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Thanks for tuning in to The Audio Road. If you have any questions, give us a call at 855-800-FUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Check out the website at letstruck.com and find us on facebook.com slash letstruck.